Welcome to the Serious Social podcast, created by the straight-talking social media experts at Immediate Future. In challenging times, brand loyalty can be really diminished. In this episode, Katie talks to Neville Hobson about how brands can tackle this challenge. Welcome to Serious Social, and we've got a real treat today. I'm joined by Neville Hobson, award-winning blogger and podcaster with extensive experience in and influence in social. He's currently Director of Digital at the Internet Society, and he was previously at IBM, but Neville is best known as King of Pods, known as the co-host of Hobson and Holtz, a monthly podcast talking about changing technologies, behaviours and organisations from the USA to Europe that's been running since 2005. Also co-founder and co-presenter of the SDF podcast with Thomas Stokel and Sam Knowles, focusing on making big data less intimidating for marketing and communications professionals. He's also author, I know, list goes on author of 5,000 plus articles so Neville knows everything there is to know about digital and social comms and we're going to explore today the challenge of building trust and innovations um, and the future of social. I first met Neville when web 2.0 or 2.0 was the way we described what we know as social today so a long long time ago. Welcome Neville, how have you been during the last few months? It's a pleasure to be here, Kate. Thank you very much indeed for inviting me. Um, how have I been the last few months? So covering the period of the lockdown, it's, uh, it's certainly been an interesting uh, year, 2020. One that we'll write off as let's forget 2020, uh, broadly speaking. I think there's some things we can gain from all these uh, seemingly awful experiences. But I guess if I answered your question directly, it would be what have I enjoyed most about this? It's not having to travel anywhere. That's been great. Yeah, no, I agree. It's been the commute, the London commute in particular, I haven't missed at all. Um, So let's get cracking. So trust is front of mind right now with everyone, given fake news and misinformation and the general bad behaviour on social. How can brands and organisations build trust through social? I think that's a a, a question that has been around for decades, has it not, generally speaking. And... uh, Social is a, um, a, a set of tools through which you can do many things uh, and to engage with people. So my short answer to, uh, to that question is something I'd say to, to, um, uh, to anyone really uh, is know your audience is the first thing you do. It, and this will be to many listeners or viewers of this, like, you know, communication one-on-one. This is the basics, yet it amazes me how often people get some of this stuff wrong or don't even have it in their planning. So knowing your audience uh, is the absolute essential first step before you do anything other than in your mind, you know what you want to achieve, but you ask yourself, who am I communicating with? So you need to know who your audience is and what they're looking for. Uh, can, are you going to deliver what your audience is looking for? So that's your first uh, step to um, uh, building trust. Uh, the second be authentic. And these are not new things, Kate. These have been around for years, but be yourself, be be accessible in ways that resonate with your audience. So authenticity is a huge one. Don't, you know, marketing speak, we all joke about these phrases often, but uh, too much is, is seen of, of inauthentic communication. So you need to be authentic 
be true to your values. Don't try and uh, twist things for want of a, of a cute message or video or whatever it might be. But if you've established your values as an organization and what you're trying to strive, mission, your vision, all those things, and you have a value proposition for yourself, be true to that. Because that will shine through in your communication. And th these three, in my opinion, are, the, are the, the true key aspects of building trust. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think there's a lot of comments about authentic, people say authentic, transparent, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the real challenge is that often in organisations, what tends to happen with good social marketing is it gets sort of washed and rinsed through the to the echelons of stakeholders that want to get involved and what you get out the other end it may be not quite as genuine but or it's so bland as to be pointless in my view yeah so, no, so. I totally agree i mean you see it played out on on uh, on in some tv ads when it comes to my mind uh, if you watch lunchtime tv i don't but yesterday i did i was actually skimming through some channels and i came across one of the channels that comes over freeview that i can't remember which one it was but it's full of things for like you know life insurance for the over 50s uh washing powders and stuff like that and i just looked at three ads and they all resonated for me in the most awful way of stilted inauthentic utterly untrue to brand values of any type whatsoever that i could see you know real mm. people don't behave like this and yet uh, I see this every time I look at TV, which is one reason I t tend not to, our ads are like this. So when you see a good one, uh, it really does resonate and you remember it for all the right reasons. And unfortunately, in, to my, in my eyes, certainly, there's not enough of that. So how do you mitigate the risk of cancel culture? I mean, one of the things that... Um, not only is this sort of accelerated through lockdown, but Brandwatch has just done a bit of research and 80% of consumers say it's important that um, businesses operate according to its values and principles and consumers prioritise those brands that care for their staff, sustainability and helping the vulnerable. And the, the reaction now is quite severe, isn't it? Um, if you don't behave in the way consumers want you to. So how, how should brands take that? Yeah. Absolutely. Take it very, very seriously when you see reports like this. Um, there are a couple of reports out this week from the likes of eMarketer and in the US Sprout Social did an interesting one that talk exactly to this point. They don't, they don't uh, wrap it up with cancel culture, yet it is all to do with uh, retaining, if you will, the loyalty and interest of your audiences at a time when competition is absolutely ferocious for all the reasons that are not good at all. Uh, layoffs, uh, shutdowns, going out of business, all of that going on in so many different countries that uh, now more than ever, you need to present yourself to, a, to your market, as it were, as a trusted partner, if you will, that your brand, your product, your service will meet their needs in ways that are absolutely in line with what they're expecting from you. So it's not just the brand. Uh, it's those other things you mentioned, your behavior in, in from a social responsibility point of view. Uh, so it, again, it comes down to understanding your audience. Mm. If these are issues that are important to your audience, then you need to, to emulate that in your engagement with those audiences. So, uh, so mitigating the risk, uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think to me, these are the things that will help you do that. But I, I tend to look at it as well of what you need to do to increase your engagement in the face of competition where 
people are looking at, uh, at brands, if you will, for uh, direction and leadership, not just in we sell a cool product or service, that it gives you an opportunity to do that exceptionally well. Some mm. are. Some of the big brands in particular are. And those are the ones you tend to notice because they're all over the media and, and the social space as well. Uh, there are smaller ones too. But from a big brand point of view, there are some standouts, I think, which are... Uh, which play to um, to their strengths and their skills and their understanding and empathy, and indeed humility. All this, these nice words we can check off the boxes on. They they demonstrate that in their behaviours. So um, uh, th there's you know there's no there's no time to to not do this. Now is definitely the time to do this. And it's it's funny, isn't it? Because back in the day when we 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 sat on a few roundtables. We used yeah. to talk about the inside out organization. Do you remember that? And, yeah, and, and, and that your inside needs to be outside. And, but actually it's never truer. It's never truer that you cannot fake it either when it comes no. to social comms. You, you know, you can't pretend to be what you're not. And those, for instance, that boycotted uh, Facebook in, in recent weeks, who, when people begin to, to dig around as to who they're using to manufacture or what products they're actually selling got kind of a little bit caught out. Um, and it's not about throwing stones or, or prodding people with sticks, but the reality is you really cannot paper over the crap, cracks when it comes to, 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 to social. No, you can't. Uh, and indeed, some of those uh, big brands in particular who were very vocal in their, in their rationale for boycotting Facebook, uh, have skeletons in their closets when it comes to things like that, uh, ethical business practices, um, manufacturing uh, procedures in countries where regulation is very lax, uh, and that doesn't sit well with consumers here. And in fact, it never really has. But I think people recognize, many people recognize, they have a far more power to influence uh, which brands are going to succeed or not by not buying their products or buying them or whatever it might be. So uh, these are these are definitely um, uh, moments uh, for recognizing that new reality out there now and paying, paying very close attention to what's happening. So that kind of brings us sweetly on to talking about um, influencers versus advocates and, and why employees matter a great deal right now. Well, that's the inside out, right? That, that's absolutely yeah. a way of expressing it, where your employees, assuming you are the type of organization that uh, fosters the relationship with employees, provides a really good workplace experience for everyone, all the stuff that's HR related, let's say, uh, that makes your employees feel they really do want to talk about you with pride. And they know that they can outside the organization. So there's two things at play here, I believe. There's one which is where you specifically want employees to do certain things that, that support something, for instance. And then there's the day-to-day -day natural human relationship behavior uh, where people will encounter others on social networks particularly. Uh, and the topic will come up uh, either reactively where they can talk about, well, I work for so-and-so and we do X or proactively, where they will seek out opportunities to say, you know, I work for this fantastic company, we make these great products or whatever. Uh, and they need to feel they're trusted to do that. And that comes back again to this word trust in the workplace. That's a challenging time for everyone because loyalty is diminished hugely uh, through things like, for example, uh, layoffs, uh, um, redundancies, as we call it in the UK, uh, restructuring, whatever, that means people lose their jobs or there's a climate of fear and so forth in organizations. That's not new at all. 
So loyalty diminishes when employers behave that way. Um, and so employees look for jobs every moment to, to be more secure. Uh, I think of some industries where this is particularly acute. I think the one that comes to my mind first off is the airline industry. Uh, where we've seen uh, some huge numbers of, of people being made redundant and restructuring in organizations going on makes people very insecure and not likely to trust you. So um, uh, employees, I think, are your absolute best ever uh, advocates. I'm not using the word influence because that's a different thing altogether. Um, but uh, it, it would pay benefits to any organization to foster those relationships. So your employees are your are your advocates externally? Oh, I couldn't, I just could not agree with you more. And the, the hesitancy over building profiles of employees um, in case they leave, of course, is always a bit of a challenge uh, for, for leadership teams within brands. But they kind of have to get over themselves, in my view. <laughs> they just, yeah. you know, the reality is staff will come and go. But you yeah. treat your employees well and you promote them and support them. And actually, they will go on as, a, you know, they will go on even when they've left yeah. being positive about your organization. Exactly right. So if someone does leave, and as you said, it's reality, people are going to change careers uh, uh, through natural cycles. And there's research galore that talk about this. Uh, and it's not something that's like, oh my God, we had no idea. Of course we do. But the best situation is someone leaves goes goes away and works for a different organization and then five ten years down the line they're still talking about you they're still talking about this great company they worked for that hopefully has gone from strength to strength and yeah. then these things and it's clear their contribution to that what comes across of course is their absolute joy at having been there and the relationship they still have with that organization so those are things that are soft things people tend not to really pay too much attention to but mm. that is a nurturing case uh, that's that's long life really um, but it speaks volumes about the organization that you 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 are in or used to work for that uh, fosters that kind of of linkage between people within the organization so when they're there they talk about you glowingly when they're gone they talk about you glowingly so and that's great and 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 the companies often talk about people who used to be there that they were great so there's there's you know rosy benefit everywhere in this but in a climate of such mistrust uh it's risky that that it's looking fragile let's say in which case again more than ever is a time to pay attention to nurturing those relationships whether they're customers or employees or shareholders all that knitting together of connectivity between those different groups, uh, what, what I think everyone calls stakeholders still, uh, in your success and their success. It, it just makes total sense. And I truly get bemused when I see so many examples of this just not happening. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Mm. It's a journey, as they say, bit of a long yep. one, but yes, it's a journey. Yep. So let's move on to a topic that I know you and I are both, we love innovation, we love the news, new and shiny. Um, yeah. So given the need for better networks, what, um, what would a better network what might it look like yeah it's a great question and my answer isn't about the greatest tech or offering the most nicest experiences in a chat room none of that they're quite simple so what would a better social network look like it's been a topic that uh, i've seen a number of people talking about in recent months in light of uh, of the increasing reality you see around you in some of the established networks and the ugly behaviors that you encounter all the time, the anger, the sheer anger of people, the trolls, no matter who you are or what you say, someone's going to pile in 
and tear it to pieces. And you have no idea who they are or what their agenda is. They clearly do have an agenda of some kind. And all of this is so ugly and no one seems to be able to stop it. So I hear more people talking about bad experiences on social networks because of things like this than great experiences they're having. Unless, as I do, uh, spend time in private groups and have closed wall discussions with people that uh, have been vetted in some form or another. You not, might not necessarily know them all. And over time, that shows the behaviors of people are pleasant, not, not ugly. So, um, so to me, the, uh, uh, a better social network uh, the first thing uh, to me is, is uh, it has to be one that doesn't treat its members as fodder for enrichment at the expense of those members. And no names mentioned, we probably know who we're mostly talking about in terms of perception. So, you know, your data is stolen or someone's hived it off and they, oops, we didn't tell you about this. Or the, the terms and conditions are so impenetrable that they point out to you, well, you know what? On page 97, that clause six, you didn't see that, did you? It said, we can do what the hell we like with data and when you agree to sign up. So all of that is happening. Uh, that uh, you've got to stop that. They've got to look after and protect your information, safeguard it as if, as if it is theirs, although maybe they don't care about their own, but they need to care about yours. Uh, and show genuine honesty and humility that helps build trust. And those are, to my mind, three basic conditions to be in place. Uh, and I don't see that anywhere right now. No, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Where you do see it will be private networks, um, whether that's a, a locked account or something. I belong to Guild, um, where there are a number of, of brilliant groups, but it's almost like the individuals that are in it are more accountable. Um, yeah. And they are managed as well. They're managed communities. So, you, you know, That's, I mean, uh, is this like deja vu full circle back to pre-social <laughs> media days when, when forums were around with the moderation, all that kind of thing? Uh, possibly. I mean, that hasn't really gone away in totality. You still got that to a certain extent. But uh, we're seeing something I th suspect trend might be the word to apply to it, uh, where we're seeing people withdrawing uh, from public discourse on even 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 uh, networks like Twitter, um, uh, Facebook, and LinkedIn, into private. So Facebook people are sticking up the private padlock sign, and you can't read their tweets or engage with them even unless you're invited in. Ditto on on groups on uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook that are private as opposed to open. So uh, I belong to quite a few on uh, Facebook and a, and a handful on LinkedIn that are just like that. Mm. And uh, thinking about it the other day, um, overall. The experiences are pleasant and I enjoy being there because there are no trolls. There's disagreement, sure. There's a discussion and discourse, and that's the whole point of it. But there's no ugliness that I observe. So when there is, and of course, some people might try it, they get booted out. And uh, that requires, it's, you know, how can you describe it really? There's no one answer to everything because you've got to add into the equation here, Kate. I mean, this is the reality, human behavior because um, we're people and we see what's happening in the real world all around us, the good and the bad and the ugly, and that, that is replicated on social networks. So will there ever be a place that is this rosy, lovely walled garden? Probably not. And indeed, something like that actually doesn't have much of appeal because you've got to have disagreement for conversation and engagement, different points of view. Uh, yet uh, we are a society that we like to believe that we're civilized uh, and so forth. But again, taking into account real world behaviors, uh, we can only, uh, well, do our best to, uh, to mitigate the evil effects of that. So I, I just 
goodness, I couldn't say more that, uh, uh, about that because that's fantastic. Um, but um, authenticity, I think, is very big for brands, particularly if they're going to be part of that kind of more closed network. But I wonder if you think tech like VR and AR will help kind of bring that real life and virtual together to deliver more genuine content, maybe? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Augmented reality, virtual reality. Uh, add into the picture mixed reality. So AR, VR, and MR, um, where mixed is a mixture of all of the above, let's say, together with uh, other communication methods um, that live up to an experience, I suppose. So is it, are we talking about experiential communication? It reminds me of, uh, of the hopes and expectations uh, of virtual worlds like Second Life uh, now uh, over a decade ago when that first came out. Uh, arguably it's ahead of its time because the, the, uh, the technical infrastructure in terms of um, uh, screen resolutions of monitors, speeds of the hardware, graphics capability wasn't, uh, wasn't to the level required to really maximize on that. Second Life's still around. I mean, I joined it in 2006. I still am there. I go in and visit about once a quarter. And there's my little avatar where I last left it, you know. But the, the, the screen and the whole software experience that gives you what you're looking at visually, wow, is it different to what it was then. So I have uh, uh, friends and business acquaintances who are big on virtual reality headsets that you, you wrap yourself up in one of these things. Uh, I'm not so keen on those because I prefer the, the kind of peripheral thing. But we're not yet at a stage where that's a hologram, basically, and you don't need to be fixed on a two-dimensional screen. You, you get a 3D experience. We're not quite there mainstream with that yet. Now, that definitely would be something, I think, that is a mountain mover uh, if it's mainstream, but it's not. So uh, would these things um, help, you know, deliver more genuine content? Um, yes, but I don't see them doing that more so than any other tool or channel if it's deployed in the right way, because this is all about engagement. You could argue that, well, it's, it's not. It's about giving people the experience of the moment. Yeah, but that's part of engagement, because you do that two or three times and you're engaging with people, then you've probably hooked them in uh, to a relationship with you. Look at gaming. Look at the gaming industry. Uh, look at what's happening uh, with gaming, uh, where you have um, people who... I mean, this is now, uh, is it mainstream? Probably is, where you've got these contests that go on for days, literally. A big money at stake with this. And the skill and talent of those individuals who who, who play these games and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, engage with others doing this is really quite something. We can learn from that in the, in the organizational context. And indeed, the word gamification was buzzwording around about two or three years ago. This, to my mind, gaming per se, is, actually makes that a real possibility and that embraces um, AR, VR and MR, uh, I, I would say. So you've got the potential there. Uh, I, I guess the thing is, is, is it, can it be mainstream as opposed to a niche, just a handful of organizations doing this kind of thing? It isn't there yet, so it's got a way to go, but it could be truly something um, if, if, if all the planets align in this regard and that you've got a story to tell, are these the best tools to tell them that help others tell your story? That's how I tend to see it. Mm. Yes, and I, I have to. I can't wait. I mean, there there are rumours of new glasses and all sorts that are gonna yeah. come along. I have I have to say I can't wait. I'll be really honest with you because I yeah. like you. Spent. I remember spending a very very rainy Saturday 
uh, creating my uh, second life um, avatar and couldn't make the hair sit on its head. It, I no. don't know why I ended up being bald for the first six months. Um, but yes, apparently there's a resurgence in Second Life in the last sort of, last few months. So yeah, who knows? and the, the, the company behind it, Linden Lab, have got a, a successor in the works they've had for quite a while now, which is now in public uh, availability. Uh, I find it a lot more complicated than Second Life, but the graphics are utterly astounding, truly. Wow. And the tools to build your, your virtual self are way simpler than they were. So things have moved along. Yeah. There's a number of other companies with these environments uh, in the works as well. So are we about to see this uh, emerging? Well, time will tell. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed yeah. it's sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. So I think I think uh, very very quickly uh, we have to get on to a very brief view. What is your what's your opinion? TikTok or Reels? <laughs> well, I've not used Reels. Um, I do use TikTok. I'm a very discreet user, more a viewer than a creator. Um, I find TikTok exceptionally compelling, without any question. It's ease of use. Uh, the sheer scope and scale of people's imagination of what they can do with a tool like that are, are truly mind-blowing. Not impressed with brand behavior from what I've seen on TikTok. Uh, the, the words uh, uh, authentic and, and so forth don't really feature from what I've seen. Uh, I may have been missing the good ones, but what I've seen, I'm not too impressed. Reels, um, I think Facebook uh, are, are seeking opportunity here, um, possibly in, in light of political changes that are influencing a lot of what's happening in this space right now, in America particularly. But uh, they don't seem to have it, according to every review I've read so far. It's hugely complicated compared to TikTok, and the, and the kind of learning curve is steep. And none of the tech journals I read are impressed with it. And so uh, I'm not rushing to try it, uh, I guess. But it's hard to give a, a, a real thing without the experience of diving into it, and I've not. But people I pay attention to who write in some of the tech journals don't rate it too highly. Uh, even mainstream media, New York Times in America, had a scathing review of it. Mm. So have Facebook missed the point? I don't think so, because they, they're in for a long game with things like this. Uh, but I do believe that uh, with the political uh, situation in America, uh, with uh, the US and China from uh, the politics behind all of that and all this stuff about banning TikTok. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen within the next two to three months. So it's, it's a space to watch without any doubt. And suddenly uh, I'm waiting for someone, uh, particularly at a big brand, to go public with saying, this is what we do with Reels and wow, it's amazing. I'm waiting for that moment. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's still very early days, isn't it? And it's a, a wee bit forced at the moment, Reels. Um, feels a bit contrived, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. Thank yeah. you so much, Neville. I, I think we've covered My some pleasure. really interesting topics that know your audience if you want to be trusted. Yeah, exactly. um, think about your employees as your advocates and start, you know, trusting them. And uh, when it comes to new networks, maybe that is the way of the private network. Maybe things are going to get more locked down and closed down. And best of all, the best point was about experiential and VR, AR and MR. My word, <laughs> we love an acronym. <laughs> um, but thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure having you. Likewise, you. Kate. My pleasure too. Thank you. If you're after more know-how to break the social boring, subscribe now and check out the show notes for links to our website and social profiles. <laughs>